All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Hour one has been brought to you, or had been brought to you by Van Hoos Fence, vhfence.com. Call Mark and Tessa today at 405-735-1167. Get your fencing needs taken care of through the premier fence company in Oklahoma, Van Hoos Fence. I've, every single time I look down, we still have like the OU Kent State. I know, yeah, we, we need to be updating those. I need to get that out of here. Our VH I, fence read is, don't tell people to get it in shape by the summer either. Right, did I? And yeah, exactly. Get it, Well, the summer is coming up as well. So well now, now, yeah, I guess it's coming it. back around. Now we can, now we can do uh, and say that again. Get your fence in shape for the fall. Get Bless your you. fence in shape for the winter. Dude, my fence needs some help. VH fence, come help me. Help! Help! My fence is bending. The wood is is not good. Hell, we actually might need to uh, make a call to VH Fence as well because our back fence is starting to get a little shoddy back there. Well, good news for you. The phone number is 405-735-1167. Okay, choices. Get after it, Joey. Come on, wake up and get to choices. work. Uh, LG Dub, Lindsey Gray Walton is coming up at the bottom of this hour. Volleyball's home tonight. Don't let me forget to call her. Um, I'm, I've, I've spent the whole commercial break – trying to figure out why why Rachel Nichols was trending, and then I realized everyone's mad for some reason at Malika Andrews. <laughs> they so, hate her. Oh, I don't know what she did. but I think she's really good. I do too. I, I think she's fantastic. But you got a choice here, Josh. Now, we have pages upon pages of sound to get to from Brent Venables, right? Including, you know, we typically start every Tuesday, hour two, with his opening statement. We also have some college football playoff expansion talk to get to because there is a li- little bit of news there. Really? A little bit. Well, they met yesterday. T- TV-wise? Kind of. They met yesterday and didn't really do anything. It's like, what are we – Oh. <laughs> shocking, First right? time that's happened. Right. The uh, playoff committee has got together. Oh, really? What they decide? Are, are they going to expand earlier? Ah, I don't know. All it's... right, cool. Um, well, are, are they moving week one to week zero? Nah, they don't really know yet. It's like – I'm convinced all these people just, like, want to get together and have lunch and hang out. Like, I, li- I like hanging out. I do. I think it's great. But if we're, just, if we're just sitting around to chill, say we're just sitting around to chill, right? Say we're just going to – don't try to make it this big deal and have, um, you know, live reports from it. Just say, hey, we're, we're kind of talking through this. Right, this so, isn't anything official. So do you guys – are you interested – more cheese fondue, Listen, please. And while you're at it, yeah, it – Anyone want to have a drink? I'm, I'm kind of in the – you guys, what, what do you want? I, I want a vodka soda right now. I CBS? I mean, ESPN? I mean, what are you guys thinking? Yeah, let's let, – why not? Let's – hey, let's start drinking. Bring around on me for the boys. Oh, this is taken care of? Bring two rounds. You know, it's – if you just are going to sit there and not do anything, that's fine. But literally, that's what I feel like is happening with these playoff meetings. I don't know why I showed you this piece of paper with my notes on it. <laughs> no, it looks because, like a referee card. Yeah, because literally there's two notes on it, and that's all that came out of this thing. That's it. Bro, so we're going to expand at 12. Yeah, exciting, right? All right, well, when are you going to expand? Ah, we'll make that decision the next couple months. Great. Can't wait for your next meeting. And there will be 35 different reports. <laughs> right. That say, well, they didn't really decide anything. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, ah! Playoff crazy. committee gets together. Oh, awesome. When do they, Are they expanding early? I don't really know yet. Cool. What TV network's going to be involved? Still kind of fighting through that a looks little like, bit. Looks like they're talking. So I guess we really don't have any news to talk about for the playoff front now that I go through the notes, right? I, I, I'm sort of joking, but 
I really think that these guys just want to get together. You might be out, right. Talk and I don't know. Fellowship. Well, you know what? In my world, then I would much rather hear from Brent Venables. So, yes. You want to go? You want to roll? Absolutely. We start most Tuesdays <laughs> at 10 a.m. with the opening statement. Wait, today's Wednesday. We start most Wednesdays with the Tuesday presser opening statement from Brent Venables. And it sounded like this. Everybody. Is that good up there? thought All I edited right. that um, out. Maybe I didn't. Uh, had good practice last night and um, looking forward to uh, going on the road to uh, TCU. Got a chance to play a really good TCU team uh, who's uh, had a great start to their season. Is uh, one of the top offenses in the country. Got the quarterback, is leads the nation in pass, passing efficiencies at 77%. Completion percentage, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Max Dugan's really playing well. Um, got a great um, offense up to this point in time in the season. They've done incredibly well. Uh, second in the country in yards per play at eight yards, uh, eight point one yards a play, and, and a bunch of seniors um, and juniors uh, on their on their offense. They've done a great job at uh, systematically putting them in position to be successful. Uh, defense uh, improved from what they've been and have a, a coach uh, coordinating their defense that uh, had incredible success at Tulsa uh, systematically uh, as well. Got excellent players. Um, again, on both sides of the ball, terrific skill. As good as skills we'll see, certainly better uh, than what we've seen up to this point in time at receiver. And uh, so got a, a great challenge for us. Our guys are anxious and eager to uh, improve and get better and, and uh, you know, show that uh, last week um, um, wasn't really reflective and indicative of the of type of uh, performance that we're capable of. Uh, but at the end of the day, we've got to dust ourselves off, like I said before, and uh, we got to be more precise uh, in everything that we do. And to me, it, everything starts with discipline, you know, and discipline to have the mindset of, you know, doing all the little things that it takes, you know, over and over and over and over and over until you can't get it wrong, you know. And and that's got to be, again, uh, a daily commitment to doing that. It starts with certainly how you meet. It starts with how you stretch. It starts with how you go to individual, how do you go to inside drill, you know, one-on-ones. And, uh, you know, mastering your craft uh, takes a lot of work and a lot of struggle. Uh, a lot of perseverance, and um, you know, we got to trust and have a respect for again what it takes to to play at a really high level. I said this before as well that uh, pressure, um, you know, exposes both the good and the bad, and and you know we got to foundationally rely on you know how we do what we do, and again the discipline that it takes to play at a high level. If that's discipline, not to. Uh, have a procedural issue or to, a discipline to take the right angles to the football so we don't have a face mask or the discipline to execute a screen and go so we're not running into receivers. All of those things lie at, at my feet and certainly our, us as coaches and then the players have to take ownership and accountability. I like the attitude, how our guys responded yesterday, uh, you know, the toughness after, again, um, you know, having a bad night. And, uh, and that's what I... I told them is, you know, 
uh, it certainly was a bad night and um, uh, for all of us, but it uh, doesn't mean you have to have a, a bad year and a bad season. So, so there it is. You're, I mean, again, those are uh, a lot of the things that I feel like we have been consistently talking about whenever it comes to whenever it comes to Oklahoma Sooner football, right? I mean, that's 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 been the that's been the whole mo for what the 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 start. See. Oh, oh, hold on, BB. That's been the mo for the whole start of the season, right? Hey, consistently get better, consistently get better. All right, you buying a lot of that on TCU? So, couple of things on TCU. Um, I I talked to their head coach yesterday, and uh, I think they're a really, really good offensive football team. I think that I think that Joe Gillespie, their defensive coordinator, has had some success against Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Lebby. Um, I think Keegan Renault kind of was digging into that a little bit on his Twitter feed. You know, uh, UCF went to Tulsa and lost with uh, with Heupel and Levy and Gabriel. So, and Joe Gillespie was the defensive coordinator. And I love my alma mater, um, but I think overall there's a little bit more talent on this TCU defense. But I also don't know if this TCU defense has a first round pick like Tulsa did in Xavier Collins and. Uh, a couple of other guys who ended up playing in the league on that defense for the Sooners or for the Golden Hurricane. Anyway, I, I, and I don't even know if Xavion was a major part of their defense quite yet that season for that hurricane warning. Right. Yeah, a hurricane warning. But I, I think the TCU defense is good. I think they're going to be a problem in a couple of years. But you know what SMU did that was was fascinating in that game, and maybe some of it was was out of necessity. I. I can't pretend to have started to dive all into TCU-SMU to prepare for this weekend quite yet. But the one thing that they did, Josh, that was really that was really interesting is, boy, they weren't stopping on third downs, man. And, you know, I don't know if Toby played the interview with uh, with the TCU coach yet. But whenever I talked to when I talked to him yesterday, we got into that. Hey, it's almost as if it's a it's a completely different world now because you stop a team on third down, and then the next thing you know, they're lining right up and going for it on on fourth down. And his his point was even even more in depth and better. I didn't know how in depth he would go with it, but he did. And he said, "Listen, third and eight used to be a passing down. You know, you you go third and eight. And you kind of feel like, all right, they're gonna they're gonna throw the football. Sonny Dyke said, now third and eight, it might be an inside run, and you're setting up to go for it on fourth down. We saw Oklahoma do that a couple of times on Saturday night against TCU. Or sorry, against Kansas State. But SMU went for it on fourth down on Saturday four times, and they got it all four times. They were ten for twenty on third downs. Um, and they were four for four on third downs or fourth downs. So they they took their chances. They um, were pretty even with TCU on total yards. They threw the ball better than they did. They didn't commit a lot of penalties, but they challenged them by going for it consistently on fourth down. And early in the game, TCU couldn't get off the field on third down. So long answer to a short, am I buying it a little bit? 
right? A little bit. Oklahoma should move the football and have success on Saturday. Yeah, just looking at the SMU game. Sure. 34 points for SMU. That's interesting. I, I didn't deep dive it. Like I said, I've just kind of sprinkled it in so far. I, I didn't deep dive it quite as well as, as as you did there. I didn't realize they had that success on four separate fourth downs. That's interesting. And philosophically, yeah, we, we have just seen a shift a lot of times in how uh, offensive coordinators, how the game is approached, right? Right. I, I don't – yeah, I think it's the worst idea sometimes to – on third down, use that to uh, obviously set up fourth down. I'm, I'm cautioning a little bit on the success offensively of TCU. Uh, as I've affectionately said on the podcast side, I believe TCU should be thrown in jail for scheduling the Tarleton State game. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the Colorado game doesn't do anything for you. But they put up 42, right? So – on SMU, I'm looking at this TCU-SMU game, and that's really the only one that matters in terms of what TCU has played. And probably you could flip that around, Plank, and if you wanted to, apply that same rule to Oklahoma and say, yeah, well, maybe the K-State game's the only one that really matters so far for Oklahoma. So we're going to get a lot of answers between both of these teams come Saturday. Uh, I do think that Duggan is going to stress Oklahoma's defense, but uh, do I think that because TCU's averaging 8.1 yards per play, they're similar offensively to Ohio State? No, I do not believe that. I oh. think they're good, but uh, Oklahoma, I, I still think, can have success defensively against them. All right, let me get my – I feel I'm, – I'm trying to get my little notebook like like BV has that can fit in my pocket, and unfortunately um, I can't read it. Because yeah, you my, need like uh, your golf yardage book. So that's exactly what I need. That's exactly what I need. So, Coach Venables was asked about, now, this is different because you're the head coach, right? And the ultimate responsibility falls on you and what that challenge has been like. I thought this was a pretty good answer. I thought I edited these a little bit better. I may not have. And dealing with the loss, what it's like as a head coach. That's right. Why is this not working? Oh, here we go. All right, let's let's try this. Doing it as the head coach. Gosh, I must not have edited these as well as I thought. In the room after the game and then directing things, you know, especially those the 48, 72 hours afterwards. Yeah, I don't, I don't honestly feel any different uh, than I have. I've always uh, have bared the, the uh, responsibility of um, failure, you know, losing, and no different. You know, I'm responsible for, uh, you know, a part of the team, and uh, but uh, you take it. Personally, and there's emotions involved, and uh, you know, frustration, anger, all those things. Um, but also trust in how you do what you do, and uh, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, sometimes you're on the right side of it, sometimes you're not, and it certainly doesn't take much to be on the wrong side of it. So you got to have you know perspective and composure, and your leadership skills, and uh, no different for me whatsoever. It's Brent Venables. All right, when we come back, we got more from Coach including just general thoughts on stripping it to the studs, how to fix slow starts, and TCU offensively and kind of his thoughts. Coming up next right here on The Ref. Hey, don't forget today, Tyler is going to be out at Mitchell's Jewelry here in Norman from 2 until 6, so locked in in the rush live in Mitchell's Jewelry they are uh, getting donations for the Center for Children and Families with their baby pantry diaper 
drive. So that's cool. All afternoon long, their goal is to collect 2,500 diapers. And for the drive, they'll have a few ways you can support today. The first is by basically swinging by. Diaper sizes five and six, pull-ups, unscented wipes. They cannot accept any used items, which I hoped would be understood, but you just never know in this society. So, help Thank out you for sharing thing. that message. I, well, I, it was on here. You just never know. You never know. Um, all right, we're continuing to, to hash through the Brent Venables presser from yesterday. Anything else? I mean, just quickly, I'm, I'm kind of trying to monitor. Nothing breaking this morning. Uh, a lot of previews of, of some baseball tonight that we'll get to. Oh, they have pushed the Eastern Washington-Florida game to Sunday. And I guess that's really about it on the, on the college football side of things. But Hurricane Ian causing all kinds of issues right now in the sports world. Hey, and I'm also on, on a David Hicks Day, if you will. David Hicks has been fonged and thuned to Oklahoma, so he's going to make his announcement later today. But I, I also and I also wonder, Josh, what that's going to do recruiting-wise if this comes to fruition for the, the rest of, of kind of guys that are on the fence and who's next for – the magical world of Crute. See if they can get it done. See see whom whom else might fall into the fold after after David Hicks. That is a fabulous question. Four one Parker Thune. Coming up at uh, noon. So an hour and thirty five minutes from now, uh, we've got Lindsey Gray Walton coming up next. So let's hit a couple of these quickly. Slow starts. Eric Bailey asked Coach Brent Venables about the challenge of slow starts and kind of what's the best way to work around them and get better. Yeah, I mean, again, as a team, you want to be able to start well together. Uh, you know, this is the first game where we didn't start well on defense and um, our first two drives on offense. Uh, again, we that's been a point of emphasis. Of, again, again, doing the little things right, you know, and uh, easier said than done, but uh, you know you don't have to uh, change that philosophy or the way of thinking or the emphasis. You just have to go do it, and uh, so you know, we got to do a better job, you know, uh, obviously, and you got to be efficient, you know, you got to uh, be detailed and precise, and uh, you have to be able to anticipate, uh, you know, timing is uh, precision and the timing aspect of it on offense uh, is a part of it as well. And um, you know, getting everybody to work together. So you got to just continue to, you know, the same things that you're doing later when you're when you're doing well. You got to do it well early. So uh, sometimes it, 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 you know, it's it's on your your side of the ball. Sometimes it has to do with what they're doing on their side of the ball too. So uh, I don't know what to say other than that. <laughs> they want to get better. All right, how about the idea of stripping to the studs and how different that is after a loss as opposed to a win? Um, you always, as coaches, whether you're successful or not, and I've said this uh, plenty of times the first three weeks, is that sometimes you know you, uh, you, know, you had a, a successful play, but you did a lot that was wrong. You just were the lesser of two evils. So, um, you know, we're always – looking at weaknesses or um, breakdowns or mental errors, uh, even in victory, finding all the things that you didn't do well that you need to continue to improve uh, upon. So um, sometimes in a loss, things get exposed. 
Uh, and so that brings more awareness to those particular issues, scheme, fundamentals, personnel, all of those things. But um, no different. You, again, you, you start completely over every single week. Um, I think that's, that's the way that I know how to do it and, um, and it has proven uh, over time that, you know, that's uh, the right way. And you learn, you know, from your past, uh, you know, that's how you grow and improve. Uh, and, um, you know, this is the greatest opportunity to teach and lead is right now, you know, through, through a loss. I know that, you know, without question. And, you know, as we've had success early in the season, you know, you got to take the bad with the good too. You know, it, it just goes with it. So, but you got to lean on the foundation of, you know, you know, again, accountability and discipline and being physical and uh, playing with great fundamentals, all the same things, whether you win or you lose. That's what, uh, you know, has longevity. There you go. We got time for one more here. Let's, um, the very next question was about linebacker depth for Oklahoma. You're looking for more. Oh, here you go. Kobe's red shirting. Um, Kip uh, is is red shirting as of right now too. And uh, as I said earlier in fall camp, uh, Kobe missed most of fall camp, and so uh, there's a learning curve there. So unfortunately, you know he, uh, you know it's just there's uh, he's got a ways to go from a, a mental standpoint, like most freshmen. So. Uh, and Kip, same thing. He's just got to functionally uh, get stronger in the weight room. He needs a, a red shirt from that standpoint. Uh, depth's not great there. Um, and, uh, you know, guys going to earn their opportunities based on what they do on the field uh, at practice. Uh, you know, there are some, a lot of new things that they saw on the field last Saturday. Uh, no excuse, but th- those guys, uh, it's one thing for a guy that's played a little bit to uh, you know, make adjustments on the fly. It's another thing for uh, young players uh, to go in there and throw them in the lion's den. So couldn't have been much worse. Uh, it's easy to say that now, but, uh, you know, we we got to continue to develop the depth there. So the the natural, I guess, response is, well, wh- why why not Canik? And how does he go from a guy that played so well against Nebraska to someone that you don't see on the field at all? Um, you know, I I don't I don't know, Josh. It's to me, I think more than anything else, I trust Brent Venables in and his track record when it comes to which linebacker is ready to be out on the field. So. Yeah, Canick looked good to us, but you know, obviously he's going to be a baller. He's going to be a difference maker eventually. It's just it's still time, and who knows? Maybe we see him more as the season goes on. I just think on Saturday night they weren't prepared to use him with as much confusion as K State was was causing. And maybe for a canic, it might have just been a situation where things could have gone from bad to worse. Just a hunch, right? I tend to take Britton Venables at his, at his word, and I'm not going to fight him about linebacker depth and who needs or doesn't need to be playing. That's one area where I step away from him like, this dude's got <laughs> – I think this guy has that handle. Yeah, he's he's got <laughs> – 
the pulse on what Oklahoma should be doing. For fans, though, they see that type of defensive performance where it flat out wasn't very good, and they say, why, why did this not get explored? Why, why was that not tried, right? I mean, I think it's pretty simple from that perspective. Um, but exactly. probably coach has got a pretty good pulse on why that did not happen. Right. I mean, it's it's easy to say he was great against Nebraska. It doesn't make any sense why he wasn't out there against Kansas well, he State. He also overran some things against Nebraska, too. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Every time I saw him, he's making a play. Yeah. But, again, certain dudes that I I like as well, it's just I'm going to trust Brent Venables and his assessment of of which linebackers should and shouldn't be playing. And, and we'll see what happens going forward, right? I mean, yeah. it's every game is a learning experience for everybody. Not that Brent Venables, you know, hasn't coached plenty and same with these assistants, but – Look, going forward, maybe they do put Canick out there, right? I mean, maybe right. they, maybe they uh, going forward, say, you know what? That was a mistake. I don't know. All right, quick break. Plank show. When we come back, rolls on with a little volleyball talk. And Lindsey Gray Walton right here on The Ref. Oh, it is match day inside McCaslin Fieldhouse. We are joined by the head volleyball coach for the University of Oklahoma, Lindsey Gray Walton. Good morning, coach. How's it going? Good morning, Chris. We're doing well. It's game day. It's game day, and it's the official Big 12 conference home opener. So we're excited to get things things rolling. And uh, what a wonderful Wednesday! It's finally feeling like fall out there, you know. It is. <laughs> it is. And of course, by the time like we hit noon, it'll be a hundred degrees, right? Um, yeah. Six o'clock tonight. You've talked about this a lot, but you know we. We want to spread the word. We want great crowds because it makes a difference. We we've talked to, you know, many of your players about this, but it it makes a difference when you have a great crowd, especially in that kind of tight environment inside the McCaslin Fieldhouse. It makes it tough on the opponents. A hundred percent. You know, packing the Fieldhouse, I think, is the number one goal because we feel like right now our identity on the floor and the consistency and how we've been playing the game, win or lose, you know, even you look at the stats at the Texas match um, and the opportunities that we had and the chances that we, we put ourselves and, and gave ourselves and just, you know, when we have them back at this place, um, you know, we want to make good on those opportunities. But, you know, the, the thing that is true is that even in a loss, our identity still showed up um, just somebody beat us. And so tonight against Kansas, who's a good team, can get comfortable going the length of five sets and, you know, just believes in, in their people and what they need to do to, to get a win, whether it's a 5-1, 6-2. It's like for all the things that are going on on their side, if a massive crowd is just in your head, it, it's hard to think. It's hard to function. And, you know, our message to the team has been whether there's five fans or 5,000 fans, they're all there for you. They're just wearing the wrong T-shirt when we're on the road. <laughs> and so I think the thing that we want to make sure is we have an opportunity here tonight, this Saturday, um, where everybody can be wearing the right T-shirt. And they can be cheering really loud for us. And, you know, we had a sellout at Gregory with 4,300. And I know that the field house holds just the same. So um, how sweet it would be that we just do that every night. It becomes part of our brand, part of our identity um, and it's something that we can recruit to, that our atmosphere is one of the best, not only the Big 12, but the country, and how special it is to be in the field house and get to play here with Oklahoma across your chest. So 
we talk at length about that and the pride that you have to have in the jersey and the work that we do to do it. But, um, you know, we want people to come out and enjoy what we're doing. And I think not just on, on our small scale here in the field house, but on a grander scale for volleyball across the country right now, you're just seeing it explode on the big screen. So if you want to grow the game, you got to show the game. And we're on ESPN two right now, like every other weekend with a match or a featured match. And so you just love to see, you know, some first moments for our sport. And I know that they're ahead for our program specifically, but you know, we want to break some records this year with attendance and how sweet it would be with the home opener tonight to kick it off with one. Crimson out. Six o'clock, Warrior Crimson against a very, very good Kansas team. I, I watched them, I think it was last Wednesday, uh, prior to your Texas match, and they they pushed Texas to the limit. What do we know about this Jayhawk team coming in? Yeah, I mean, they've got you know a, a returning group um, that made that Sweet 16 run last year, you know, a seventh-place team in the Big 12 that when you make it into December, everybody has a chance. And so they bet on themselves. They made it to the Sweet 16, and – I think we see a little bit of ourselves in them in terms of the opportunity. If you just buy in, believe in each other and get better every day um, and believe in what's possible, but we're very different in our system and, and our identity on the court, but um, they're, they're a good team. You know, they are comfortable in broken situations. Like I said, they're comfortable going the distance. They've got big arms, they've got good size and they, they serve the ball really tough. So the thing that we need to be uh, very intentional about is our communication and being really crisp when we get our opportunities, like three balls, down balls, easy conversion points, um, and then assert our serve and our pass and our defense that's been there all year because then that turns the championship offense. Um, and I think, you know, everywhere we've gone, we've gained some fans, Chris, and, you know, we just we want to make sure that the brand of volleyball that we're putting out there, it's, it's been focused on how we look, how we sound, how we play the game. Um, and so, we encourage everybody on a 6 o'clock start on a Wednesday. It's not too early. The bedtime, <laughs> I think maybe the sun will still be out if you're hitting your cars around 8 o'clock. It's not going to be too dark out, but um, we'd love to have you. You know, Get up off the couch, get out, a nice walk down Brook Street and right into the field house. Um, it'll be a good time tonight against Kansas. Yeah, it's been uh, really fun to see the breakout stars on this team. Um, obviously, you've had some freshmen that have stepped up. Morgan Perkins has been Really good. Um, Taylor Preston, Alexis Shelton. What does it mean to you? What do you see in these youngsters whenever they have a, th- this type of an opportunity presented in front of them, Coach, and they take advantage and they play as well as you need them to? I just embrace the moment, seize the moment. But I think that's, that's what happens when you recruit winners. You know, you recruit winning-minded, championship-minded individuals. Um, that's just what they do you know and that's just how they perform that's their daily standard in practice and and in competition so everyone out there has earned their time and and earned their roles and it's very specific because points are valuable and they matter and so if we can sneak a couple in a couple rotations here or there um by serve by block sub by whatever it's you know by any means necessary the sum of the parts but you love when your youngsters are just showing up and playing hard and um, playing free, you know, and I think that's something that last year our freshmen that were out there unfortunately didn't get to quite experience the same. You know, they had some pressure because there were some big shoes to fill. There was just, you know, a lot on their shoulders. And now with that supporting cast, there's a really good balance of season sophomores and 
um, and young freshmen that just want to compete and play hard and, and not let their sophomores down. And that, that's pretty cool to see. So, you know, there's really no class ranking out there um, or in the practice gym. You can just really feel that there's 15 people just making each other better. And that's, you know, the gym that they're going to go enter into whenever they leave here. And, and that's something that we also recruit to, that once you leave here, that you're not done with this game. You know, you want to play pro, you want to push the limits to try and make the national team, um, whatever those endeavors are. But, uh, you know, the competition only gets better, only gets thicker, the, the gym, the bigger the gyms you walk into. So, yeah, we like big players at big moments. And, like, how high can Mo go? It's like <laughs> her ceiling is just she's a pogo stick. But, um, yeah, she's hard on herself. She's her biggest critic because she's got big big-time goals and, and baseline standards for how she wants to perform every night and also has some rivalries. And um, you just you love to see it, and you want to encourage those. You know, whatever makes them go, you, you want to fuel that fire. So, yeah, it's part relational, building who are these people. You know, we're still only 90 days new to each other as, as freshmen to us coaching them. But it feels like we've known them forever because they're just really easy to coach. One more, and we'll let you get out of here. Megan yeah. Wilson, such a joy to talk to. Still kind of wild to think that, you know, just we, we wrote about her a little bit in our Boyd Street magazine, but still it just picked up basically volleyball in high school. Uh, she's really hitting it well. Um, she's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, and you had moved her to the other side. So the progression of Megan Wilson and how she continues to grow into really one of the better players in the Big 12. Uh, yeah, I mean, leading the Big 12 in points right now, leading the country top 10 in points. Um, I mean, we we knew it was possible when we recruited Megan based on the athleticism, how she moved, her eyes, her feet, her hands. Um, but then when you get to know Megan and you get to know who she is and how she is internally driven and just the amount of time that she's gone to work on herself and what, you know, has held her back in the past, not just in volleyball, but championship moments when she's been on the soccer field, when she's been on the basketball court, when she's been in the, the classroom, you know, like what is it that's holding me back from being great in those moments because I want to be great. And you just, you love when someone can step back, reflect, and acknowledge just the amount of time, the amount of energy, and the support team that's around her. I mean, I think her biggest fan is her dad, and they've got the coolest relationship. And so, you know, if, if Megan needs a, a break before preseason, and her version of that is to go on a mountain hiking, cross-country, mount, mountain Montana trip, like, go for it, girl. Like, that is totally Megan Wilson. Um, where some of us would be at the beach or we're, you know, doing whatever. And she's on the side of a mountain with her, with her dad. And um, I think there's just a really good balance of who her support team is and, and support system is off the floor, around her here in the program. Um, and, you know, just we will go as Megan Wilson goes. And, and she knows that. You know, she knows that every scouting report has her at the top, that every team has to prepare for not only her attack but her block her serve, her ability to pass, um, you know, they might start setting away from her instead of trying to set at her. So just she is very aware, and those are conversations that we lean into. And um, she's just she's a cool human, you know, yeah. and I just encourage people to get to know her more be, and, and our team more because all of them, they're just there's really cool people. 
We're excited for tonight, 6 o'clock, OU in Kansas, then 1 o'clock on Saturday against West Virginia. Coach, we always appreciate your time. Best of luck, and we'll talk to you again soon. And thank you so much. We'll see everybody tonight. All right, we'll see you, Coach. Lindsey Gray-Walton, OU Volleyball against Kansas tonight. 10-3 and three on the season. They started their non-conference play 10-2. and two. All right, we'll hit the best of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. we got our top five stories of the day, plus more from Brent Venables. Hour 2 brought to you by Allison Insurance. Bob and Robert Allison have you covered at 405-745-2968. This is the home of Sooner fans. So I, I have a quick question here. I, honor, I love everyone that has their opinion and, and kind of what they feel, right? Let me, let me read the last five text messages to this show. Canik couldn't have done worse on defense than they was doing, so why not try Canik? Um, way too much trying to rip the ball out instead of tackling or hitting and separate the ball from the player. A lot of extra yards dragging defensive players, ripping at the ball. All three linebackers played every snap on Saturday. That's not good. They screwed up last Saturday not playing Canik. Did any reporter even bother to ask BV specifically about Canik? Guys, if there is one area that I guarantee you Brent Venables knows infinitely more than you do, regardless of how you feel about fans, if you have any faith in, in his leadership for Team 128, if he doesn't play a linebacker, there's a very good reason why, right? I got to be, I don't remember seeing Canick a ton on the sidelines either. Um, now, again, like I said, I was kind of a little bit removed. But it's just if there is if if there is if you don't trust a coach and you're just like, I know this, I know that, this coach, but linebacker play would be one area where I'm like, yeah, BV is probably gonna have a little bit of a better idea on that than me. Regardless of how you feel or how you've graded the tape or whatever it might be. You did a great job against Nebraska. Didn't feel like using him against Kansas State. I'm not going to – yeah, why didn't they ask about him? Because I think everybody pretty much understands that these Brent Venables knows what it takes to be a good linebacker and how well-versed they are in his system. And I know a natural reaction would be, well, sometimes guys just aren't good practice players and do better on the field. Well, you better get better at practice if you want to play. Well, and like I said earlier, let's see if Brent Venables and everybody, Ted Roof, defensively, if – they get into a similar situation if Canick sure. doesn't get some snaps now going forward. Nobody's nobody's going to sit up there and say that they've got everything totally figured out. Right. Or maybe Canick will, you know, they'll have more confidence that he's prepared for that moment now going forward. I, You know, the fact that those guys played every single snap is a little Very bit surprising. Worrisome. Absolutely. That, that's, a, that's a little bit surprising. And, and I'd be curious to hear what Coach Vittables thinks about that. But – as it stands right now, I mean, if you have any faith whatsoever in your coaching staff, you're more than welcome to question him. But I think in the end, it's just, man, I would have loved to have seen him more. But obviously, there's there's reasons why he wasn't playing. <laughs> the answer to the question, though, is specifically no. They they didn't ask about Jaron. Uh, they didn't they didn't ask about Canick specifically, right? No, they didn't. Not not at least that I went through. I've got. I've got 28 minutes of documented questions here. They asked about linebacker depth. Right. And found out that, obviously, McKenzie and Lewis are both redshirting. Which means you can save your Colby McKenzie questions. 
I don't know if Colby McKenzie's going to end up being a linebacker. I think he might have a future as an edge rusher looking at him. Holy smokes, man. Dude's a beast. And I see that guy, and I'm like, wow. Well, wherever they can fit Kobe in, I mean, by all means. He looks the part. All right. Um, yeah, so Roof was asked about Canik. And I think didn't we play that yesterday? Maybe I went through the whole, I went through the whole Ted Roof thing, and I don't remember uh, seeing much on Canik. But maybe, maybe I missed it. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have every single question memorized. But if you heard it, game on. Um, we got a top five stories today coming up next. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. We are actually on the road the next two days. We are live at Cavens tomorrow. In fact, um, I'm obviously not doing a good enough job. Uh, promoting Cavens Construction. So we've got like five hours. Steelman's going to be live from Cavens as well from noon to two tomorrow. And then we are right by the uh, casino on Friday for OUTCU. And we are doing our show live from Bedray Chocolate, which is very problematic for me. I, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to not eat sugar. But in the end, we'll see how well it works out live from Bedray Chocolate on Friday. So if you're heading down for OUTCU, I'll have some T-shirts for you out of Bedray, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. In the meantime, pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about it. I won't lie. We were originally gonna be actually at the casino, which I was like, "Whoa, let's go!" But we'll be at Bedray Chocolate um, right there by the OU or Oklahoma Texas border coming up on Friday. In the meantime. We got to take a break because the top five stories today are coming up next right here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans.